My name is Karina Salin. And I am Meta Bidi. And this is... We, we are, are just here, here to help. help. I feel like my life has been, po- like, taken over by the Russians. Yeah, I mean, we have been taken over by the Russians. I know. Just lean into it. Too much. It's good, you like it. Bend to the Slav. But I even, like, you know, on the free porn websites, I'm like, why are there so much Russian porn? It's because we're selling our beautiful women. Yeah, pretty much. Or Papa Poo Poo has extra plans for us. What do you mean? You know, you... You get them addicted to the women, yeah. then you get them addicted to the pee-pee tapes. I think that brings us to our first topic of conversation, which is uh, Diane Feinstein. Yeah, Karina, you're the most disciplined. This would just be me rambling into yeah, a microphone. That's why you. I'm here. Yeah. Good pairing. <laughs> uh, so Diane Feinstein didn't get the Democratic Party of California's um, endorsement yeah. for the Senate race in the fall, and it went to Kevin DeLeon instead. Right. So, uh, Diane Feinstein and Kevin DeLeon were the two winners of the jungle primary, which they have in California, which is... So, there's no Republican that's like... There's no Republican that made it out. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then you had that number for... She won what percentage? She won like 45%. He won 11%. Okay. Yeah. So, they were the two biggest winners. So, it kind of tells you about how much it was split at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, he's a left winger. Yeah. Medicare for all climate change, all the good stuff. And he got the endorsement from the Democratic. Yeah, so he'll go out on all the mailings and stuff. What's the story there? Um, it's interesting kind of watching the media landscape today because a lot of people are on Diane Feinstein's side. Really? And how much of it, I don't know, is like the PR machine that she has putting these stories out. So people are crying sexism, which is insane. Just some background on Diane Feinstein. She's very skilled and a very skilled politician. She's 85 years old and worth $43 million. Oh, wow. She's a center-ish Democrat, as much as one can be coming from California. Right. Um, she takes a lot of corporate money. Her husband is uh, runs like a capital investment fund. Mm. Um, just generally stuff that doesn't fly in the current political climate. So I don't know why people are surprised by this and are unhappy by it. Yeah. Yeah. She's getting Bernie Broad. She is getting Bernie Broad, but like by like the Hillary people. Right. 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 Yeah. I think the we're having like grassroots side. Well, that might just be my pe- my my in with the political community is grassroots yeah uh like the or field organizing people and all of those people tend to be very idealistic and community driven 100 oh, percent. but like what i think happened is coming from the other side of the political world that you did which is big money and polling and <laughs> uh, all insane evil shit which um, is what you did is what you, is that what, what you're saying? 100 i own it yeah <laughs> i just i want to make it very clear for everybody who's listening oh, i did i did i made horrible things <laughs> It's so funny. Yeah. I mean, good things. We did a lot of positive propaganda for our candidates. Just um, some of the commercials you've described to me. I'm just like, wow, the system works. It's fucked up. Yeah. It's very fucked up. Uh, sorry, but keep going. Why I think a lot of establishment Democrats haven't come out for Medicare for all um, is that the polling for it is not awesome, surprisingly, yet. I think it hasn't had enough time to simmer. Um, I think that polling is slowly changing as you see people who are going to make 2020 runs pick it up, like Kristen Gillibrand and Kamala Harris. Yep. Um, so I think a certain portion of it is that the polling hasn't been great, and the, the big flaw of the Democratic Party, especially establishment, is listening too much to polling and not pushing forward um, with new ideas and new strategies. Um, and the other part of it is I think that they are uh, take a lot of money from 
insurance companies and the medical field and that's what's holding them back on that yeah i mean that that's like kind of opens up a bunch of cans of worms uh one of them i think we've touched on on one of the previous episodes but i think it's like bears repeating is like the formula for a really long time for democrats was like get more conservative and they'll get you votes get more conservative and they'll get you more money get you more money too and they're tied in a yeah, lot of ways yeah oh totally but i think now yeah we are having like that break back Mm-hmm. Where it's like becoming a left winger is really good. I mean, look, the single payer thing, that idea has floated in the ether since 2000. Even before that, when Hillary Clinton was trying to get yeah. healthcare through in the 90s. Yeah. And I, she was eviscerated for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fun fact Obamacare was re- originally proposed by the Republicans. Mitt Romney. Uh, Mitt Romney. And also, it's. Uh, that like system was the the counter proposal in the '90s to Clinton was a, pri- a privatized, semi-privatized mm-hmm. system where uh, essentially what we have now, yeah. minus single payer and all that stuff, uh, which tells you a little bit about how far that in the '90s, just a couple decades ago, Republicans were able to make those kinds of like concessions, mm-hmm. um, and now we can't make those concessions. No. But, uh, yeah, I would say, but the first time I think we really had in a presidential campaign where it was like a campaign issue of having single health, single payer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, was, was when we started having that conversation in the 2000s. I think that the other long history that we have inside the United States is a consequence of the Cold War was that communism and socialism turn into like four four letter words 100 percent. do you know that for uh you can be denied being naturalized as an american or any immigration if you support communism that's still a question they ask really yeah uh the thing that i don't understand why everyone's freaking out dying fine is that they're it's not like she got kicked off the ticket you know they're both up so it's like you're just gonna let the voters decide and diane feinstein can raise money like no other motherfucker for a variety of reasons um good and bad uh so i'm not really worried about her so i don't know why everyone's freaking out this is a harebrained theory yeah so let's let's say okay we're the democratic party right yeah and we sit down we have strategy sesh and we're like okay look how far left-leaning the rest of the candidates are i don't know mm-hmm. but let's just sit down and venture a guess that they're mostly farther left-leaning yeah this is california Feinstein's like actually as centrist as as uh, she she seems to be at least. Or at this point, you're centrist way. unless you support Medicare for all. Right. So, what happens when you have you get someone who challenges you, who might beat you? What's like the number one strategy? Destroy them. But in what way? I'll raise them. I'll raise them. That would be the democratic idea of doing it. What's the soft, non-vicious way of doing it? You start adopting their views. Right? Sure. Hillary Clinton did it. She was like, by the end of the campaign, Hillary was like pretty much going like, the top 1%. Yeah. Like, she was almost like, like, I never spoke to Goldman Sachs. Yeah, 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 yeah. She suddenly became like, and then like had a comb over her own. Yeah. Um, But uh, what's it called? So if you're a Democratic Party, you're like, look, we can't beat Feinstein. We can't strong arm her opinions. But we can do is get her to, on her own, accept farther left-leaning opinions and therefore either look like a more palatable candidate or lose to a more palatable candidate. So if you're Democratic uh, Senate campaign committee, you're like, this is a no-lose endorsement. Endorse the progressive left-wing outsider, 
the party looks really good, A. And B, one of two things happens. Feinstein becomes a better candidate and starts of pushing and promising on issues that we think that the party will lean towards. Or she straight up loses and we get like a big left winger in uh, in the Senate. I think now that I'm like looking back yeah. on it, it's like... It's a little bit of a stroke of genius, whoever came up with that movie. I mean, I don't think that's a harebrained of an idea. Um, I'd be surprised if it came from the top. I I wouldn't say it's harebrained as much as it's surprising. Yeah. Um, I could see it happening. I can't see them organizing enough to do it. You know? I I don't know. Here's, Here's the thing. This American Life did a really great episode about this guy running for Congress in New York. Uh, uh-huh. And he talks about his phone calls, the DNCCC. He's like... Uh, and that's the Democratic Campaign... The Dem- Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know what the DCCC is. Yeah. Uh, and like, so, like he's getting ready for his phone call with them. And then some other guy calls him. He's like, they're going to ask you two questions. They're going to ask you how much money you need to raise, you think you need to raise in the first quarter. And the guy's like, okay, what's the answer to that? He's like, $300,000. And then they're gonna, the second question they're going to ask you is... How much do you think you can raise overall? I guess like, what's the answer to that? He's like, $2 million. Then he hangs up. And so the guy gets on the call with the DCCC. Not a lot of foreplay. They go, how much money can you raise in the first quarter? How much money can you raise overall? Yeah. That was it. They only care about fundraising, which is a, a huge mistake if we look back yeah. to the 2016 election because Hillary outraised Trump. By an enormous margin and still lost for unless, a variety of reasons. Unless you factor in... In the free media. Free yeah. media. But again, why pay for what you get for free? Yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, I'm going to transition into the conversation of uh, one of Diane Francis's biggest donors who's uh, all been on the news today. Um, uh, that's Elon Musk. Oh my God. It... You know what, what when this... Uh, all... Elon's recent head, uh, headlines have done to me. What? I'm like, don't have heroes anymore. Did you like Elon Musk? I I had little things that I loved about Elon Musk. Elon Musk has this wonderful talk about climate change that's like a little opportunistic. Yeah. Because it's what he's essentially saying it's is trying like, to sell Teslas. No. No? Well, Tesla, but he, it's the, the reason for it is actually to do SpaceX. The crux of the the presentation that he does is like, the planets die. Fuck that. But no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Okay, okay, sorry. I'll let you finish, then I'll freak out. He's like, in the long, in the super long run, mm-hmm. in the hundreds and hundreds of years, planets die. And that's just like a natural thing we have to get adjusted to. But what we need to do is be able to be on this planet as long as possible because we actually don't know the... We don't have the um, the the technology or the amount of know-how to leave planet Earth. So the longer we can extend the uh, the life of the Earth, the longer of a chance we have to survive as a human species. So taking care of the environment is of the highest concern because right now and for the foreseeable long, 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 long future. There's no leaving the planet. Okay, so if you can't see me right now, I'm just making a grumpy cat face. Yeah. Because I think that's all self-serving bullshit from Elon Musk. It's self, it, But that's the thing, right? It's like, I always knew he's a little self-serving. No, look, no. Okay, here's, here's, his, here's his plan. He's like, I don't want to fuck up the planet too bad right now because I need to live long enough to figure out how to launch everyone 
everyone meaning the billionaires to Mars and leave the plebeians to eat each other on planet Earth. Myself and Grimes. Yeah. The king and queen of Mars. Um, yeah. But but compare that to like the Koch brothers and I'm like, you know what? I'll take Elon. I almost want the I take the Koch brothers for their just blatant no, honesty. No, 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 no. This is a place where it's like it's like it's like we should have like a little runoff between all like the big name billionaires. Yeah. We throw in like Soros and Jeff Bezos, who's a piece of shit. Jeff Bezos and is evil. So evil. Yeah. But but in any case, no more heroes for me. Yeah. I never liked Elon Musk. For, from my perspective, the short sightedness of his thinking is like, okay, so like And and, and all this is related to like Elon donating money to a Republican pact pack. He's one of the biggest donors to Republican pack and he donates a ton of money to uh like right leaning Democrats, including Dan Feinstein. Uh and most billionaires do this. They hedge their bets. They want influence with everyone. Um, they want to make sure both parties aren't looking too closely in their fucking horrible-ass businesses that are typically exploitative. Well, they have to be exploitative if you become a billionaire. There's no way to become a billionaire without doing that. I also think that's such a bullshit reason. What? It's like, well, if they donate, they think they might not get looked at. I'm always like, huh. but everybody's giving. So you're not like net more favorable or less favorable. But you don't want to be unfavorable. That's fair. So the, the, the whole concept of Tesla, I think, encompasses a short-sighted thinking. The future is not in cars. It's, it's in public transport. And it's in public church. transport and bicycles. Oh, my God. It would be the best. Right? I mean, like, it, it isn't self-driving death machines that can mow down more pedestrians so you can sit alone in your vehicle, you know, as you drive to your job that's not going to exist anymore. Yeah. It's it, the the worldview is intrinsically selfish and short-sighted. That's like the whole distillation of the idea of the car. And to build a whole business around just making more cars, I'm a big car hater. Um, I think encapsulates the problem with Elon Musk. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. Your comfort at the expense of others. Right. I'm not a car person. I do, well, I should also say I'm like biased because I don't I don't enjoy having to drive a car. I like walking. I like like that's a fucking driving. reason to own a car. I like driving a car. Yeah. You know, that's so stupid. I'm glad I don't own a car. Just go drive a go-kart. I don't need, No, no go-karts either. I don't know. <laughs> In any case. In um, any case. And then finally, being a billionaire is intrinsically unethical. Yeah. And there should be no billionaires. Yeah. I, my personal view on this is, what's the point like, I, what's that number? It's like once people make 80K or something, yeah. they're happy. Everything else is you're just like running up the score and literally for an unsustainable amount of non-joy, just excess, Yeah. other people suffer. Right. And it's like now you're left with someone just going ape on Twitter because there's nothing else to do. Yeah. And like no- he, he called that Thai diver dude a pedophile today. Because they didn't like a submarine. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. That's insane. You yeah. have so much money. Go on your yacht. The other thing is, like, there are tons of people who could also be different Elon Musks if there were those billions were floating out into the atmosphere. Right. And and we didn't think that we had to pay CEOs billions, but like millions. Listen, like, <laughs> if I got a hundred million dollars, I'd be like, great, I'm fucking set. Let's just give the rest away. I don't need this. I've, I've sat down and I've just been like, okay, if tomorrow yeah. I got a million, just a million, yeah. 
pre-tax or after tax? Well, let's say it's after tax. Okay. All right. Let's, so I really got like 1.5. Spe- special post-tax edition of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yeah. yeah. Special Those post-tax Those are so, version. so weird. <laughs> weird episodes. <laughs> but, and let's say like I spend at my current current levels yeah and i don't i don't live like lavishly lavishly but i also live decently comfortably like yeah we go get hot pot every once in a while hot pot's the best oh my god fuck you kyle yeah kyle flaked on us yeah kyle Levnick. we starved ourselves all day in preparation for hot pot so if you know kyle so kick him so if i got a million dollars yeah right now i'll i'll do a little bit of rounding and i'll be like uh i i live on 50k a year sure with like freelance stuff and all that stuff yeah that means that... Which is like low middle class in New York, for reference, if you're listening outside of New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so 50K, that means that for 20 years, I could sustain the kind of lifestyle. And mind you, like, I produce art, I produce music, I produce this show, like, or, you know, I don't yeah. produce, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I do all of these things, and if I had that, I would have even more time to do all of those mm-hmm. things. And, and I'm right now about to turn 30. So that means at 50, if for some reason all these ventures that I do that are like a part of my life produce zero cash, then I would be broke. So my point is this. To be a millionaire means 20, could mean for someone who lives in one of the most expensive cities on the planet um, and lives pretty comfortably, very mm-hmm. nice. I would have 20 years of life. Yeah. That means that there's somebody out there who has 2,000 years of comfortable living in cap. Like, that's a billion dollars. Is that order times 100? Yeah. That's 2,000 years. There's a human being out there who, if they lived 2,000 years and stopped working. But to put that in context, there are people in the United States dying because they can't afford insulin. There are people who are living off of 16K is the cutoff for poverty, right? Yeah. To qualify for Medicaid in New York, you have to make under 16. Yeah. Okay. Which is insane because I don't know how you eat or live anywhere. No, that's... You pay rent and then you have... And you sit in your hovel just squatting naked. Pretty much. <laughs> that's it, someone. right? Yeah. Like, And that's not any sort of life. Like, uh, We need to change the perspective that having... A roof over your head, enough food to eat, and medical care is a necessity for every citizen in a decent country. Yeah. And that we should not allow people to stand on the necks of everyone else just so they could have 1,000 years of comfort. Yeah. And here's another psychic reason I think that this is really mm-hmm. big, right? For me and you, $500 for health insurance, for like really nice health insurance. A month? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's insane. It seems like a, a ton of money, right? That's like basically almost all my rent money. That's all my spending money. Yeah. For sure. So when you sit down, the average American, and you say someone else should pay that bill and we can reduce it and blah, 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 blah. But if we just say, if we cut out all that stuff, which we can reduce the bill and you in the United States, we pay the most that any other developed country yeah. pays and all that other stuff. But we would put all that stuff aside. You tell the average American that bill would be taken care of. They go, that's so much money. Because for the average person, for most people, for me, for me, for you, 
that is a significant chunk of money. Yeah. And to for someone to say, well, the government can supply that money is a bonkers idea because you think how does, where did that money come from? Where did that money come from? That 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 scale is insane. Yeah. But that's because your mind and the mind of most human beings, ninety-eight percent of human beings, ninety-nine percent of human beings, can never really wrap their minds around what a billion dollars means. Right. And I think again, whenever we mention that idea, we need to mention the fact that if we had a single payer system to the likes of France or Germany, we could eliminate income tax for people making under five hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. You would you could not pay any income tax and get free health care. That's where that money comes from. But I think some of it is the math, like mm-hmm. sitting down and doing the math is astounding. But I think some of it is like not not people aren't thinking about this in a rational like analysis kind of way. Mm-hmm. They're thinking of it in a rational emotional way, which is like, but that's such a huge burden on me. If everyone had that huge burden placed on the government, that would be crazy. Right. But it's actually the reality of the world is that you're carrying the burden of these billionaires who don't contribute. Yeah. 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 Speaking of billionaires who don't contribute, uh, someone's meeting with Papa Poo Poo tomorrow. The way you're pronouncing contribute. Contribute? Contribute. 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 I don't know. Say it however you want. Banana Banunu. No one says Banunu. (laughs) Nobody says Banunu. Okay. All right. Something happened this week where uh, the Justice Department announced charges against 12 GRU GRU agents in Russia. What does that stand for? I don't know. Oh, okay. Something, something. Okay. I should look it up. I don't know. But it's basically like the Russian CIA. Right. Um, and then FSB, right? And FSB, Do you yeah. know what FSB is? I should look up these acronyms. I don't know. Federalness something. Security <laughs> bureaucracy or something. Okay. I don't know. I'll look it up. What is the word bureaucracy in Russia? I don't know. Okay. Okay. It's too hot. <laughs> um, so anyways, the Justice Department announced charge against 12 GRU agents as punishment for meddling in our elections. Yeah. So that means that there's definitive proof. There has been definitive proof. What? For but, but two years. But my conservative friends and, and Fox and all these other groups have essentially told me that... There's no evidence of collusion. Well, now here's some more evidence you're going to ignore. Yeah. Um, and what I what the tidbit that I found most interesting in this is that um, what someone dug up is that so now we have definitive proof of the kind of the timeline. Uh, this this these indictments basically show how much the Mueller team knows about what happened. Right. Which is should be scary to any Trump official. Right. Um. But what it revealed is a closer timeline as to the hack of the DNC. So if you look at the timeline of the hack of the DNC, and then you look at the Trump campaign's ad buys at the same time, Mm -hmm. you'll see a huge shift into the areas where they started pouring their money. And the theory is that because they had access to the DNC hack, they saw how the DNC was going to do their ad buys and change their strategy. To match theirs. To match theirs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think McConnell knew, and that's why he fought so hard to not let the American people know, all in exchange for a Supreme Court seat yeah. and more money for him. Yeah, and I think that is like that's the banality that we were talking about. That's also the boredom of like these people who like their thing is like their thing isn't like I love democracy. Like that's very clearly like, and uh, this is another rant that I've been on very recently. Mm-hmm. You don't get to say you love America 
if you don't love democracy. The thing that makes this country amazing and wonderful is democracy is like rule of law. Our sense of fair play. Yeah. And I think a couple episodes ago you, you brought this up and it's still like a point that we need to belabor and that's just like the precondition of being a politician, someone who works in government is you have to have faith in rule of law, order, telling the truth, very earnestly engaging in argument and being genuine in your pursuit of the truth. Yeah. We can have disagreements. There are disagreements. There are two sets of people who look at facts and think that the solution to the problem or the the, the, the facts point you into a different direction. That's fine. And that's the experiment of looking for the truth. But now we live in an era where a group of people have legitimately just said, we're not going to play fair. And that should be something that disqualifies someone outright. Right. And the fact that they refuse to look at the same set of facts. Yeah. Not that there are different sets of facts. It's just that there are facts and then there are lies. And they're choosing to look at lies and exist on a completely separate plane than everyone else. And another point that I want to make is like, if you're listening and you think like, okay, they can lie all they want, but the truth will eventually come out. There are a lot of idealistic Mm -hmm. people, especially on the left, who are like, the truth is unshakable. That's not true. It's a cute thought. And here's, here's the proof in the pudding is this. For months, Fox, mm-hmm. um, with you know Sean Hannity trying to cover up that he was not Cohen's like third client, mm-hmm. but, but, but Fox, the entire Republican establishment, all these guys, they were on a campaign to essentially say there was no collusion. Right. There's no evidence of it. Mueller's it's a witch hunt. Right. Sean Kennedy said that over and over again. It's a witch hunt. This is um, this is a huge conspiracy. This is Mm -hmm. a deep state thing, which is like the most it's amazing to me that like a part of our regular political discourse is literal like the terms that you would use for a conspiracy theory that there's a deep state. I mean, the deep state is basically some guy like stamping a stack of papers. Yeah. Just for hours. But the purpose of all those motions was if Trump got impeached, Mm -hmm. impeachment means you go to the Senate, Mm -hmm. which means that the people who are responsible for figuring out whether or not Trump was no longer president have to answer to constituents. And that that means that Trump's jury are the American people. And the more... Trump's jury will also be the Supreme Court eventually, probably, which he's currently stacking with... Sympathetic justices. Just want to insert that. Continue. Yeah. The purpose of all of these Mm -hmm. things was to shorten the timeline because the polling was very clear. Just outside of the election, 60 some odd percent of Americans were pro Mueller investigation. Mm -hmm. We should know if there's another foreign country who's trying to, we should do our due diligence, blah, blah, blah. I think a year or so out, it was down to 52 Mm percent. And part of that is this long campaign, this propaganda campaign built on outright lies where people were like, no, this is a witch hunt. It should stop. It's not a real thing, blah, blah, blah. And now, just in time, I think, it's been released that no, it's or not released, but it's like now the DOJ's official stance is there was meddling. We have proof of it. It's here. 100%. We have indictments. Someone is sitting in solitary confinement over it. But my point is... People have flipped... My point is, if the timing had been even farther out, Mm -hmm. public opinion would have shifted enough. I mean, I think public opinion is going to continue to shift against the Mueller investigation until we get bigger and bigger revelations. I have a lot of faith in the Mueller investigation because 
they're playing a tight game. They're going, they're nibbling on the edges and they start working their way towards the middle. Um, I think hopefully it's hard for me to tell obviously how Mueller is going to play this because he strikes me as a very kind of uptight rule guy. So I doubt we'll get some surprises before the midterms. He's also like, he seems like an expert poker player. Oh, terrifying. Like, honestly, I, I would say that that man probably the read I have on him is like that dude loves America and lives like a monk. Oh, yeah. I just get that vibe from him that he's just like, he's he's here to be like, this is what I was put on this earth to do. Mm-hmm. Let's go save democracy. Yeah. So we'll see. But I think we'll start seeing bigger and bigger and bigger indictments. Um, and we'll see his condition become more and more perilous um, as the Trump administration gets more and more nervous. And what actually happened in the recent weeks is uh, Roger Ailes' secondhand man, disgraced Roger Ailes, who uh, got booted from his company from creating a, se- a culture of sexual harassment. Um, his enforcer has been hired as chief of communications for the White House. So now there is de facto no space between the White House and Fox News. Yeah. So anyways, uh, in light of all of this, one would think that perhaps we shouldn't go have a one-on-one meeting in Finland with the chief architect of this meddling and destabilization of our democracy. Which Trump, by the way, acknowledges now. In a tweet, he was like, hey, this Russian hacking thing, it happened during the Obama administration. It's not my fault. Isn't that great? Narcissist prayer, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, in any case, so what would you do in Finland? I would not go to Finland to meet with him. Because what, what this does, meeting with Putin and why he wants it, one... It shows that he has Trump by the ball sack. He keeps meeting up with Putin. More than one regularly meets... Papa Poopoo. Papa Poopoo. Papa meets, people meet Papa Poopoo maybe like once every two years at like a party. And you meet Papa Poopoo to do things like disarm nuclear weapons. Right. Get him out of Syria. Not just for like a, just a chit chat with no other Americans present. Yeah. After you shit on... The UK and, and the EU and EU and Germany. Yeah. So like another big problem with these Trump Putin meetings is that when high level government officials, Papa Pupu, uh, meeting with the president or a prime minister, there are other people from that represent their governments in the meeting with them. The problem with Papa Pupu and Trump, I'm not even going to give him a nickname, is that they keep meeting without other Americans present. Right. Or use Papa Pupu's, Putin's interpreter. So there's no official record of what they've said. Are you serious? Yes. That's fucking horrifying. Yes. And so, like, I have my fingers crossed that whatever intelligence agency from wherever is bugging the shit out of that room. Right. And even when the Russians and the American Secret Service clear it, they're still going to be able to bug that conversation. This is the first episode where I think you're more optimistic than I am. What, what am I optimistic, though? You're like, I think the Mueller investigation will... Oh, yeah. Because that guy knows some shit. I saw a talk with him, mm-hmm. and that dude is precise as fuck. Oh. That gets me hard, man. There's a, there's a small article that's very interesting. I only read it because I was like... I think that this, these personality characteristic things are so interesting, mm-hmm. but they were just like the sartorial choices of Robert Mueller III, and it's like he wears like a Casio watch. He wears like oh yeah. He wears like this 
this like moderately priced suit. Everything is like there's no flash, there's no pomp, there's no circumstance. It's literally like the base require. It's like a uniform. It was like this person's like take on it. it was like there's nothing that's like outstanding about this thing. It's just like he looks like a company man. Yeah. And everything from his like hair to his like button downs to like is all this other stuff. I think it'll mean a lot if Mueller is successful because it's like the two Americas facing off. You have the America of greed, redundant avarice, um, selfishness. I'm just listing synonyms. Negative qualities. All the negative qualities of America, which is like flashy, trashy, rich, and ugly, you know? Right. Versus the best qualities of America, which is like our love of rules and like good patriotism and integrity and fairness and art and art and like moral integrity. Yeah. Those two things are facing off right now. So we're the battlefield soul of America. It's Mueller v. Trump. I would say it's farther than that. I, I'm I, I'm big on this idea that like we as liberals have to all start to go like it's it's Mueller. It's us. It's Beto. 100%. Uh, yeah. No, I, I'm not discounting that. It'll, on, like, for, like, I was thinking about it from, like, a movie perspective. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But, like... This is Frosty the, Nixon. These, the, yeah, these are our, these are our generals, yeah. you know, in the movie. And we are the soldiers on the battlefield. And so we have to vote. We have to organize. We have to outplay yeah. everyone else. And if we can weaken their lieutenants, their soldiers... We will win, yeah. and we will weaken them by voting and winning the Senate and the House. And there's a really good less life lesson and political lesson mm-hmm. to be had from Robert Mueller. And I think it's something that I've repeated a bunch, and that is that like one of the tactics of American conservatism right now is to lie and troll mm-hmm. and annoy. And the purpose of it isn't to engage in argument or to sway you or anything like that. It's literally to exhaust you and make you feel helpless. Mm-hmm. And what Mueller has done has essentially been like, I'm not going to be a public persona. I am going to work and I'm going to literally grind and be in the realm of facts and realities. And that's a mind frame we have to be in. We have to be mindful of the energy that you expend. Because I think left-wing people end up being like more sensitive, non-sociopathic oh, totally. types. Yeah. Um, uh, there's this really great John Cleese thing where he's like, snowflake? Yeah, I've heard the term before. It's something sociopath. So a term sociopaths use to discount people who have empathy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so be mindful of like how you're spending your energy and whether or not you're getting upset. And if you do have a moment where you're getting upset... Realize the best event, uh, 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 revenge you can have is not to reply to that Facebook comment, not to yell at your cousin mm-hmm. who doesn't who doesn't understand. Refuse to play the game. Refuse to play the game, but know that you have your own work to do, mm-hmm. and some of that is not just voting, but organizing a vote party. I'm never gonna let that go. Uh, okay, but I'm excited for a fucking vote party in November. Yeah, it's gonna be great. also one in September for the uh, primary election. Yeah. Uh, but but things like organizing community, phone banking, volunteering your time, donating your money, uh, all this stuff is super important. Calling your reps. Calling your reps. For a little while now, like every few weeks, I just get like, 
a small like I get a little angry and I do <laughs> to donate money. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to do this stuff and just grind away at it. Um and you know, ignore the haters. Fuck the haters. Yeah. We will prevail. This is the most optimistic you're gonna catch me. Just gonna start thinking about Mueller. Yeah. I I think so too. I hope so too. We'll see you on the other side. My name's Karina Celine. And I'm Matt Abetti. And this is We're, We're Just, just here, here to Help. help.